You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. As we always do every Monday, best and worst of the weekend. What you saw that you liked, you didn't like, and be part of the festivities. You can dial us up, email, tweet. You can do all the above. We have uh, play of the day, stat of the day, poll question, all of that coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to Peacock. Not the St. Peter's Peacocks, but Peacock. That's our streaming partner. You can download the app. You can watch for free. Also, our radio affiliates around the country, Fox Sports Radio, the number one listened to sports radio show in America. Carson Palmer, former NFL quarterback, will join us a little bit later on. We'll talk about the Browns out of nowhere. Recapping basketball with uh, Baylor out, Tennessee out, Auburn out, Michigan State out, Wisconsin out, Illinois is out. You have Iowa State and St. Peter's. Those are your Cinderella stories. Now, I look at Iowa State, and I I guess the amazing part is, how did that program go 2-22 and 22 last year? Didn't win a conference game. And here they are in the Sweet 16. St. Peter's, I think it's St. Peter's was located in South Dakota or upstate New York, that we might look at them differently. They'd be cuter, let's put it that way. St. Peter's is in Jersey City, right across the river from New York City. So you probably think, well, they got all that talent around there. New York City basketball, even New Jersey basketball. Uh, But St. Peter's is there in the Sweet 16, and so is Iowa State. I watched a lot of the Michigan State-Duke game because I'm watching thinking, is this Coach K's last game? And... Not that it became bigger than the outcome of the game, but it's close because Michigan State going toe-to-toe and Tom Izzo always does well in the tournament and Coach K and the Dukies were holding on for dear life there. But, you know, this is a a situation that's different because we don't know when Coach K's career is over. I don't know if John Wooden made it official that he was coaching his last games when he was at UCLA when they won the national title. He retired after winning that national title in 1975. But I don't remember, I don't think I was old enough to remember, or that, you know, back then, I don't know if you had this sort of farewell tour. But I don't know if Coach announced that this was going to be his last uh, tournament run. And maybe he did, but I just, this is a big, big buildup here with Coach K. Here is uh, Mike Krzyzewski after the win yesterday against Michigan State. I'm incredibly proud of my guys. This was a, you guys were terrific, man. I'm so, I'm really proud to be your coach. You know, that it had nothing to do with coaching in those last four or five minutes. It all had to do with heart and togetherness. And uh, they followed their hearts and God bless them. Uh, you know, we're in the sweet 16. So you can ask them questions. He's emotional in a win. Here's Tom Izzo, Michigan State head coach. An average team without a lot of heart might have just drifted into the sunset and I thought they reached down and uh, in Mike Krzyzewski fashion and did an unbelievable job of kind of taking it at us and we just didn't have enough left you know coach is always gracious he's he's a a good guy like Tom Izzo a lot Um, you know he's probably got mixed emotions there as well you're facing Mike Krzyzewski you faced him before I think Michigan State has been bounced from the tournament. Let me see if I have this stat. Um, Mike Krzyzewski has knocked Michigan State out of the tournament five times. So 
if you're Tom Izzo, it's like, all right, they got me four times and I'm on the ropes here, maybe getting knocked out again, but maybe I'm going to be the guy knocking Coach K out of the coaching ranks. But, you know, if interesting. You know, the, the tournament hasn't changed the structure of the tournament. I, I do think that the regular season doesn't mean much to us. We don't follow the names as closely as we once did. Players are not staying around more than, you know, one or two years. Coaches are there forever, and that's who you invest in. Like Jay Wright at Villanova, right? You don't know who's on Villanova, but you know they got Jay Wright, and therefore you invest in Jay Wright. Uh, Tom is at Michigan State. Uh, there, there are certain coaches where you go, that guy wins. And you might look at Rick Barnes at Tennessee and go, no, he doesn't win. Certain coaches you invest in come tournament time because they know what they're doing. And you can make a case that these coaches, some of these coaches who survived, have been there before. And certainly helps out the case, uh, you know, to advance. And, you know, Coach K talked about this. This wasn't about coaching. It's about the players doing something in the final four minutes. Now, he might be being humble there, but a lot of it comes down to, you know, can you make free throws? Do you have a point guard who knows what he's doing? Uh, Do you not make stupid mistakes? And that's what Duke was able to do. And that's all it takes. Ask Arizona. You just want to survive. And you're going to every, every, it feels like every tournament, every team who wins a national title, there's always a moment where you go, they could lose. Earlier in the tournament, they could lose. And you just survive that one time, it feels like. And that's probably what's going to happen this year with the eventual national champ. All right, Seton, what kind of poll question do you have? By the way, our stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the DP show. Did North Carolina's Brady Manic deserve to be tossed from the game against Bel- uh, wow. Baylor? Okay. Uh, I'd say no. I, I think that they let them play. You know, as, as, as players, you're looking to see what they're calling and not calling. And, you know, the elbow is up, but I think it was a physically called game. And I would probably put the onus or the blame on the officials that you let it kind of get to that point. But I would say, no, I wouldn't have tossed it. It feels kind of tough, though, to accidentally elbow somebody that hard in the face. I mean, I know it's a controversial call, but I kind of feel like he should have gotten tossed. Okay. Yeah. I I, I saw it. It's aggressive. But these guys are 6'9", 6'10", so your arms are up. You know, it's not like it's a 5'5 guy that you elbowed. You went down low and elbowed him. I think your hands are up. They're out. And, uh, you know, would I have whistled him for a foul? Yes. But if you're going to toss him, I mean, that's, to me, it has to be pretty egregious. You're going to toss somebody from a game. But if it was a 5-5 guy, I would be like, oh, I get it. It's, that's how he elbowed him in the face. Instead, he elbowed a gigantic dude in the face. <laughs> yeah, but they're, is, they're similar heights. Their elbows are going to be there in the, right in his face. Well, no, because you... I, th- I feel like you have it exactly backwards, actually. Okay. The, if, it's harder to elbow somebody at equal height. You have to have your elbow all the way up. Rather, if the guy was short, you could elbow him all the time in the face. Yeah, but you're taught to box out with your arms up, not down. So his arms were just up, and therefore his elbow is going to hit you right in the face. Mm. Let's do a reenactment here. Okay. All right. 
Who Are wants- you going to elbow me in the face or am I elbowing you in the face? Because that's going to determine the... Well, because I don't think he should have been tossed, so I will play the role of the North Carolina player <laughs> oh, okay. saying I, I shouldn't have been tossed for... El- oh, sorry, okay. Steve. Yeah, gotcha. Yes. Okay. Oh, by the way, pie to the face day, yeah. Marvin. Yeah, Mr. Yukon Husky takes a pie a little bit later on, kind of dressed down today, didn't you there, Marv? <laughs> yeah, I... I'm prepared for today. Okay. I don't want to wear it like, oh, let me wear my new stuff from Express or Link Soul. <laughs> yeah. Like, nah, no thanks. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yes, Todd. <laughs> Can you distinguish between reckless and egregious? Because I don't think he should have been thrown out either. Can you, in the moment, do something a bit reckless, but it's not egregious enough to sure. get ejected? Are they two separate things? It's hard to judge intent. I mean, that's, that's the thing. But it, it was an aggressive game. I mean, you would think Baylor, I mean, that's a, a, a defensive-minded team. Uh, that helped them win the national championship, but I, I did, I didn't look at it and say, "Boy, I think he tried to hurt him there." I didn't know if there was another incident with them because sometimes you'll see that, like Buddy Beheim when he got tossed from the Big East tournament when he elbowed the Florida State kid. You know, there was something on the same play where he thought he got boxed out too hard, and then he punched him in the stomach. I didn't know if there was something that led up to that. That's what I'd be curious about because if there was then it might have been retaliation there. Yeah, Paul. But that Baylor turnaround, was, it was like a body-switching oh movie. God. I think they scored 51 points in the second half. It's silly. It, it, don't you find that fascinating when you're watching a game? Like, wow, this team's getting housed. It's over. I'm going to collect at this window. And then all of a sudden, it just goes the completely opposite. I'm getting text messages from friends and because I, I said, you know, North Car- I love North Carolina. And, you know, they're blowing them out. And I'm like, yeah, you called it North Carolina. I stopped watching. Next thing I know is nice call on North Carolina. And I go, wait, what just happened? Turn on the TV and I went, oh, my God. They had a 25-point lead. Uh, TCU, Arizona. I got Arizona winning it all. But you know what? TC, hold your head high. You got a gripe because I would have called a foul there at the very end. Two seconds to go in regulation. I would have called a foul on Arizona, yes, he. It's a real shame that they're knocked out of the tournament because that's a TCU is a fun team to watch. Yeah, yeah. This program brought to you by Real Credit Card. Questions require real people. Somebody who understands your issues works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available twenty-four-seven. Discover exceptionally common sense. I also wondered about this, and maybe I can hear from an, uh, a referee or former referee. Like, why do you do it? Because you never win, right? Nobody says, great job. You get yelled at constantly. And even some of the calls, you know, there was a technical call in the Illinois game that was a bad call. There, You know, there's a couple of bad calls, but you expect that. And they do a great job most of the time. It's just those small and, and, you know, the proliferation of gambling. Now everything is viewed through a different lens. But, you know, understand they're not they don't get the benefit of replay when they make a call like at the end of the Arizona game. They have to call it. We get to see all the angles and we're like, how did you miss that? But I'm curious as an official, why do you do it? Is it a power trip? Do You like being involved in the sport? Great exercise. You enjoy the clothing? Like you just like a striped shirt and tight pants? You just want to get your steps in for the day so you're going back and forth? Yeah. Uh, It's a good workout. I just, I I don't know. And look, I had run-ins with officials, 
And I told this story that this longtime legendary official in Cincinnati flipped off my father during a game, actually put his hand behind his back and gave my father the finger. <laughs> now, that's a veteran move there because I, I, nobody saw it except for my dad. And my dad, was, he thought it was wonderful. He's like, I, I got to that official. He flipped me off. <laughs> Yeah, Paul. Do you think there's any college or pro basketball coaches who go the opposite tactic and just talk nicely to the officials, mm. lavish them with mm. uh, praise? Like Brad Stevens, remember him at Butler? Yeah. He seemed like a guy who never yelled at the officials. He seemed like he was discussing mm. things with the officials. And he was a very successful guy. It seems like yelling is counterproductive to your goal of getting calls or getting your team a win. Brad Stevens reminds me of Jim Parsons played a college basketball <laughs> coach from the Big Bang Theory, Sheldon. Um, uh, excuse me, come here, excuse, excuse me, you're doing a great job, I don't want to interrupt here, but it just feels like you may have, you may have, may have missed that call. I think I may have seen that play differently than you, sir. Yeah. Could you come, when you get, a, when, you, when you get a moment, could you come over here, I just want to talk to you, yeah, just a little bit. Yes, Todd. If you're an official, do you like instant replay? Well, if your goal is to get the call correct. Like, the, you don't want to leave an arena or a football field and you didn't get the call correctly. It's like when the Saints played the Rams in the playoff game and they missed the call and they had the opportunity to get the call correct. That's when it's bad. You can miss the call. I think officials have a hard time having somebody tell them that they missed the call. But your job is to get the call correct, no matter what. And I think if, if we had used replay, then you would have saved those officials from themselves in the uh, Rams-Saints playoff game. But Ego, I think, gets involved in this, where you're like, no, no, that's saw it. Nope, I got it. I'm in charge. Yeah, and I can, no, you missed it. You missed it. Yeah, Tom. You want to get it right, but imagine any other job or walk of life where you're constantly being second-guessed. Literally, every little thing you do, it could be looked at over and over again in a thousand different angles to show how you screwed it up. That's got to be really rough to have that kind of job. I know that's what you signed up for. But well, we do that to you. That's true, and I've learned to live with it somewhat. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, I'm still having you know, I have my moments. Yeah, but and that's got to be hard. And we have the benefit of replay. We do <laughs> playing back uh, slurred speech and everything. Your slurred speech. Yeah, I don't. He look... wasn't even sure if he should have shown up. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think Todd brought this up. Now you, we're picking right back up where we left I off. Unfortunately, right into that. Yeah, Todd. Todd. <laughs> Sorry, you walk right into it. I mean, <laughs> I asked for it. that's all right. Yeah, yeah. yes, you did. Hey, people trying their best. They're trying to be as creative as possible. I mean, get the calls right. And <laughs> <laughs> <you're good>. <laughs> <laughs> just keep knocking you back down. Yeah. And you get. Why do you keep getting back up? Just stay down. Let them count to ten. How about we just get started with a yeah. good week? Let's go. Here, everybody. Come yeah. on, let's go. Come on, come on. Come on. I mean, these officials can't book three guests. Yeah, it's impossible. I can't multitask. I'm not. I can't book a guest. Too much. Do a poll question. Too many things on your plate. All right, we'll come back. We'll uh, examine our brackets. Also, best and worst of the weekend. If you're an official and you can get through, uh, operator Tyler is standing by. I know a lot of people are going to be calling in, but uh, if you are a referee, college especially, I'd just like to hear from you on. What is it that you get out of officiating? It's not money. Uh, you get some TV time, but I'd be curious. I remember Leon Wood was a former NBA player and then became an NBA official. And I'm thinking, you know, 
you probably wouldn't want to become that after being a player and dealing with officials, and then you become one of those officials. But I think Leon is still officiating. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Michigan State lost again to Duke. I think that's the fifth time Coach K has defeated Michigan State in the tournament. Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo joining us on the program. Were you aware of that number, Coach, that uh, Coach K has uh, ousted you five times in the tournament? Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of all those numbers. <laughs> you don't know any of the wins, but you know all the losses. Yeah. <clears throat> what could you have done differently? Well, the game plan was not to let them get into the paint. Um and they drove us to death at the end. I thought we did a poor job of of uh, taking away the paint in the last five minutes of the game. And they got in there and got fouled, made some tough layups. Other than that, I thought we played awfully well, to be honest with you. They're a very talented team, good team. Um, we did a decent job. We just couldn't finish the job. Conversation with Coach K. Uh, did you talk pregame or just postgame? You know, we talked pregame for a minute, but nothing about anything that's uh, relevant. And then a little bit after, but maybe a little more in the hallway after the press conference, you know. And uh, I mean, uh, you got to respect what he's done. And I appreciate what he's done for basketball and definitely for Duke. But uh, during the game, it was all about uh, wanting to win. And both guys wanted to win. And he did. For the fifth time on the seventy-three, <laughs> as you as you remind me, I know I, I I should have I should have started with something more like, "Hey, man, boy, that was a great coaching effort yesterday." And instead, I lead with the negative. So my bad. Well, we're, we're two and two in the last four, so you could have led with that, but I don't blame <laughs> you. I, uh, I I said that's uh, that's been a nemesis for me that I haven't been able to take care of, and now I won't get that chance again. But when it, does it enter your mind at all during the game that this could be Coach K's last game and you're going to take him out? I, I think more before the game than, than during. During the game, it's just, you know, as they say, once the ball's tossed, all those things are forgotten. Um, I thought about it in the last 20 seconds when we were down six and they were shooting free throws. But other than that, uh, didn't think about it during the game. You were pretty animated, like you were laughing. I don't know if you were laughing to avoid being angry at the officiating, but the, the, the camera caught you laughing a few times. Your head was on the scorer's table one time. What, what are you thinking about there uh, with the officiating? Oh, God. Are you trying to get me fined? I have to borrow money from you. I don't think no, you can get was, fined I for this. I thought it was a pretty well-officiated game. I, I, I thought there was one stretch when there were three calls in a row in the same possession, um, that bothered me. Yeah. But other than that, uh, I don't care. I got, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a home court advantage for them, you know, playing right in their backyard. And, and uh, but, uh, well, that's all I'll say about that. Well, they can't fine you if you say something. Like, the officials were terrible in that game. Oh, they weren't terrible. Uh, they were just, uh, there were times... Uh, Inconsistent. Yeah, there was a little inconsistency, uh, you know, but um, I wouldn't say the officials cost us the game. Uh, we didn't take care of business. They had a five-point lead with under five minutes. Um, 
But I, I think where, where Duke really did a good job, <clears throat> when they got beat by North Carolina at the end of that game, I thought they just settled for threes and were firing the ball all over. And in our game, they didn't at all. One kid hit a big three, but other than that, um, they drove the ball, got to the free throw line, and that's what you do. Uh-oh, that's the NCAA. No, I got rid of them. Okay. Yeah, you don't need to hear from them. That 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 might be a $5,000 phone call. No, right now, I don't think the NCAA does much. You know, they don't. Uh, <laughs> there's not, uh, I think they're afraid I'll sue them. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the NCAA does much of anything. When do you look at the game film of, of the loss to Duke? I did at uh, 11 o'clock last night on the way home. I watched the whole game. Oh, and, boy. Uh, but then I'll watch it today, you know, and just so it's fresh in my mind and then uh, then move on, you know, either try to figure out who you're going to recruit or who's transferring or which portal you're going to go into or who's going to pay somebody or all the good new rules that we have today <laughs> that I can't stand personally. But the game has changed so much. I mean, you talked about some of these things with the portals, but but just the philosophy that everybody thinks they're Steph Curry. How do you as a coach encourage or discourage somebody from taking those, those threes? You know, uh, that is a fine line because I think every kid now, if you're seven foot, uh, there's no such thing as being inside. Everybody wants to be a shooter. <laughs> um, the problem is there's not many Steph Curry's. And uh, I like the way Draymond does it out there. He knows he's not Steph Curry, so he just gets Steph Curry the shots. And yet trying to encourage somebody in college to do that is is a little uh, more difficult. Well, it might be as hard to find a Draymond Green as it is a Steph Curry when you think about it. I think it's harder. I, I think that's a great point. You know, even in your point guards, you know, getting guys that make other players better, as Magic would say, is harder. Everybody wants to make themselves better. So uh, that's one of the challenges we have. And if you don't score more points, you don't get as much NIL money. If you don't get more uh, rebounds, you don't get as much NLI money. So um, kids have different uh, reasons now to do things that make it a little more difficult and why I think you're seeing some coaches stepping down. Tom Izzo, 54 tournament wins, eight Final Four appearances, ranks fifth all-time, and uh, winning percentage in the tournament just over 70% as uh, third behind Coach K and John Calipari. What do you do differently in the tournament? There's certain coaches we talk about. Certainly, you're one of those where we go, uh, Michigan State, NCAA tournament. You know that Izzo is going to do. Jay Wright's another guy that comes up. But I know you have to have talent, but there's something. Is there anything you're doing differently as, as opposed to the regular season? You know, Dan, I think you develop a culture where kids start believing that, you know, even though it's not true. I mean, uh, I said our fans think I golf you know, November, December, January, and then start working in February and then, you know, do something in March. That's not true. But um, I think some of it's the culture, the former players, you know, everybody just has this belief and uh, I got to get them to start believing that in December. That's my next goal. So this year I'm going to try to work the whole six months instead of one month. Um. You're tied with Coach K for the most consecutive NCAA tournament appearances at 24. I'm I'm rooting for you to beat him next year. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, 
and maybe I can since he will not be there. Yes. <laughs> otherwise, I think I'm three and thirteen. I mean, you would probably have the stat there because you're a stats guy. Yeah, right? you're you're three and thirteen against Coach K all the time. But yeah. I but I was not bringing that up. I gave you a positive. I told you about the eight Final Four appearances. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, we got that in 27 years. He's got 12 and 42 years, so I guess I'm still in range of that one. But uh, oh, he's earned everything he's gotten, you know. And and yet, I think we've uh, we've done some incredible things here with uh, some to go, Dan. We're gonna we're not done yet. The is that green shag carpeting that you have there? It's not shag. I mean, we're not in the 70s. Okay. When you were in college. We're in, uh, you know, it's. It's very cut pile. Okay. Is it like AstroTurf? <laughs> it should be. You know, I'm a football fan, so maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I'll change the AstroTurf. Maybe we'll get a little tougher. Are you a, are you a Lions fan? Well, I am because I'm in this state, but I grew up a Packer fan. I live 90 miles from Green Bay, and uh, everybody in the UP where I'm from is a Packers fan. Did you ever uh... – Meet Bart Starr, Brett Favre. I did, you know, because of my buddy Mariucci. Bart Starr came up to our golf outing in the UP a couple times. He was great, and Brett Favre came once or twice, and I got a chance to meet him too through Mariucci. But uh, those guys were great. Haven't met Aaron Rodgers yet, but uh, maybe someday. Well, he's there for maybe another couple of years. So maybe you, why, why don't you go to a game? Oh, I've gone to. Uh, Couple Packer games. Um, yeah, because you take September, October, November, and December off, so you could go uh, to a lot of games there, Coach. <laughs> uh, you're so right, um, <laughs> but I, I do. Uh, Matt Lafleur is a guy that spent a lot of time in the state of Michigan as coach, so I do get over there. In fact, talk to Matt during the playoffs. So I hopefully I'll I'll get over there at one of his uh, summer workouts. When does your voice sound smooth? You know, it's been really good this year, but I didn't get much sleep. And to be on the Dan Patrick show, yeah. I said, I don't care if I got up, got to bed at four in the morning, I'm getting up early. Who's got the worst day. coaching voice? Worst coach? Bob Huggins. <laughs> Bob's got to have the worst voice. Uh, or I tell Bob he looks the worst. So <laughs> you don't want to get him angry, though. Uh, I love Bob. He's. He's one of the good guys in the profession. Doc Rivers has a voice that has never yep. changed, right? That That's a coach's voice. You know what? Doc does, and uh, Doc's been a good friend, too. I coached in the Goodwill Games with him a few years ago, and uh, he does a great job, and he's got a great voice, and he's always tired, too, because how would you like to do that for no. 90 games no. like they do? No way. Uh, hey, great to talk to you as always. Thanks for uh, getting up and joining us, and uh, – there's always next year, right? Thanks, Dan. Maybe Thanks. Uh, we'll, we'll get together with those Dayton Flyers sometime. Yeah. Yeah, well, Dayton should have been in. I agree. Yeah, that was disappointing. After, you know, a year ago where they could have won it all with uh, Obi Toppin and that team. They might have been really as good as anybody. Uh, thank you, Coach. Great to talk to you as always. Thanks, Dan. That's uh, Tom Izzo. I appreciate that. A couple of phone calls here. You know, it's tough after a loss. Of course, I lead with the, uh, hey, isn't this the fifth time Coach K is not exactly uh, a welcoming Matt there. Uh, Let's see. This news in, and 
this is this is not a surprise. It shouldn't be if you listen to this program because I told you this probably back in October. Uh, this is from the Athletic. Zion Williamson not expected to return to play this season, but he is making progress towards on-court work. Okay, I'll believe it when I see it. But it is smart to shut him down, and I thought they were going to shut him down uh, in December, just announce that he's not coming back. The other story to keep an eye on is Ben Simmons. This isn't Ben Simmons overcoming a mental block to be able to come back. This is the physical part of this. He's got back issues. There are a couple of injuries. If you have feet or a back injury, those are the ones that are now, I will say shoulder if you're a quarter quarterback, but you know, those are the things that stay with you. And uh, you know, Ben Simmons, they're not sure. Not sure if he's going to be able to play, how much he'll be able to play, but that's a big deal too to keep an eye on because the Nets need him if they're going to challenge for a championship. But Zion Williamson is not going to play the rest of the year. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Paul in Minnesota. Hi, Paul. What's on your mind today, bud? Dan, I've got uh, best of the weekend and worst of the weekend all rolled up in the same issue. All right. Uh, Best of the weekend, Carlos Correa signing a three-year deal with my Minnesota Twins. Worst of the weekend, he can opt out after the first year. (laughs) No, I think it's second year. I I think it's two years there, Paul. Thank you, though. He can opt out after the second year. As far as guaranteed money or salary, I think he's like fourth or fifth in baseball. And uh, there was an interesting stat about Carlos Correa I thought the Yankees were going to get him. Like, I always think the Yankees are the Dodgers. And it doesn't feel like the Yankees are getting people with the regularity that we've come to expect. I think Dave Roberts, the Dodger manager, is going to join us later on this week. But, uh, you know, Carlos Correa has more postseason victories than the entire Minnesota Twins organization has. If you look at all the playoff wins he had in uh, Houston, I think it's 45 and he has more wins than uh, the Minnesota Twins have as a franchise. But, uh, you know, Carlos Correa, two years that he can opt out, but uh, some big-time money there. Uh, Let's see. Nathan in San Antonio. Hey, Nathan, what's on your mind? Hey, Dan, six feet, 205. All right. right. Just want to chime in on the uh, U.S. why do we officiate games. I do uh, youth and adult basketball leagues and the youth sports is fun you get to teach the kids you get to see them grow even build relationships with some of the kids some of the parents around the uh the you know the weekend aau circuit so it's a lot of fun it's it's a great way to stay close to the game i used to play but you know can't do anymore so it's it's a lot of fun it's a benefit of course you get to make a little extra money on the weekends that helps you and you get yelled at yeah, but, you know, uh, as you get yelled at, you get to know those people, and, you know, you, you build those relationships over time. They trust you. They understand you. You get to teach people stuff they didn't even know. Oh, that's a rule I didn't know. So, you you know, it, it's great that way. Now, the adult leagues, different deal. Remind you, Dan, we're in Texas. A lot of reps that I know that do the adult leagues, let's just say they don't come in there empty-handed. They, they're, they're prepared. They're prepared for the worst. Wait. But here's wait they they're yeah. they're, they're packing they have yeah. a yeah 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 Dan they bring a gun 
it, the adult man, these guys are trying to live out their dreams. They think they're going to get a contract <laughs> if you don't officiate that game right. Yeah, Dan, it gets it gets crazy. Oh my god! All right, well, thank you, Nathan. Yeah, Paul. I wouldn't call a foul on anybody. <laughs> hey, a sixty-minute game, no fouls called. That's play on, play on, yeah, play on. No, that's clean. That's clean. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but he's bleeding. That That's all right. You know, Act, uh, incidental contact there. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I think it's been six weeks since we had Carson Palmer on. That was uh, during Super Bowl week. Had him during the regular season. Always appreciated his insights, certainly at the quarterbacking position, the former Heisman Trophy winner at USC. Are you a former Heisman Trophy winner or you're just a Heisman Trophy winner? Yeah, I think you get rid of the former part and just keep it Heisman Trophy winner. Sounds better. Okay, so former NFL quarterback. Heisman Trophy winner. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. All right. So of all the things that have happened since the Super Bowl, what's the number one thing that stood out to you, good or bad? But I think the biggest story is Aaron Rodgers went back to Green Bay on, on a new contract. I mean, that was the, the headline throughout the season, obviously last year this time, and then last year this time all the way up through training camp before the season started. Um, but him back in Green Bay, still wearing the, the green and yellow, I think um, it's it's the best for the NFL. It's the best for Aaron. It's the best, obviously, for the Packers and, and Packer fans themselves. You got the situation with the Browns where it feels like Baker Mayfield may have talked himself out of a job in that city, and they bring in Deshaun Watson. Um, let me start with Baker Mayfield. What kind of trade market do you think there is for Baker Mayfield going into the last year of his contract coming off the injury? Well, there's, there's definitely a market for it. It's not the three or four first round picks or two firsts and two seconds or whatever it is that, that the Cleveland Browns had to give to the, the Houston Texans to get Deshaun Watson. It's definitely, they're not going to get their money back on that, but there's, there's somebody out there. There's too many teams that need a quarterback and Baker is a much better upgrade uh, than a lot of the guys that these, these teams have on their roster. So there's, there's a market for him, but unfortunately right now, you know, this is that time. You're, we should be talking about Baker's next deal with the Browns. They're they're negotiating it. They're still kind of in that honeymoon phase. They only took him uh, with the first pick in the draft a couple years ago. We should be talking about that. We should not be talking about the friction between Baker and the Browns and this kind of constant theme that has been going on for a couple off seasons now. But I, I do I do think there is somebody out there that's willing to give up something to get Baker. Okay, but if I said to you, you could have Matt Ryan or Baker Mayfield in Indianapolis? I'd take, because of the situation that the Indianapolis Colts are in right now, they've got a veteran team. They're one player away from being a contender. I'd take Matt Ryan. Yeah, I could see him going into that Matthew Stafford role. He's a couple of years older than Matthew, but I think that he's he's ready to go. Uh, the role that Jimmy Garoppolo plays in all of this with the musical chairs with quarterbacks is what? He'll be somewhere. I, mean, I think um, the, the Niners are waiting out post-draft to let teams really realize there aren't that many good quarterbacks in this draft. Hmm. We need a vet. He'll, he'll go somewhere, and he'll. I think he'll actually drum up more demand than what Baker will get as far as what the team's going to get in return for a trade. But there's definitely a market for Jimmy Garoppolo. Is there any football concerns? Are there any football concerns about Deshaun Watson? Just as a player, just as a quarterback? Zero. 
zero. I, I think um, he's, uh, you know, within the top five best players in the league. Uh, he, he changes your team instantly. He brings a level of confidence to your team instantly. Uh, you know, I know there's, there's uh, obviously a lot of guys that love playing with Baker and have a tremendous amount of respect. I've seen some quotes about the warrior that he was and playing injured and playing through the shoulder and all that he played through. But Deshaun's the same type of player. He, you know, he puts it on the field. Uh, you get everything he's got. Uh, you get it. You get it from him on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, uh, throughout the season. I think Deshaun's going to have a great year. You combine Deshaun with those two running backs, that pass rush they have there in Cleveland, the opportunistic defense on the back end that can get picks and get him the ball back, and more importantly, something that Deshaun has not had an offensive line like the Cleveland Browns since he got into the league. So seeing Deshaun play with that group in front of him in Cleveland is going to be something new that we haven't seen him play with at this level. How many massage therapists did you have when you were playing? Just one, just one. My guy, my guy Dave Matthews in uh, Phoenix, he's the best in the business, actually works on uh, a number of NFL guys. But if you find, you know, massage therapists are like anything. There's a bunch of them. And only a very few select hand, you know, you know, top 1% are really gifted and talented and have been given a God-given ability. Uh, so when you find that guy, I think we've heard Russell Wilson has found, you know, found his and spends a lot of money on, on his guy. Um, but finding the right guy that can keep you together, Tom Brady with Alex Guerrero for all the years he's been, he's been playing, finding that right, right guy is priceless. Yeah, I've said that before. I, I mentioned in the first hour of the show, I have somebody who played 13 years and played somebody else played nine. And I said, how many massage therapists? And they both said one. If you find the one, that's why you have a, a, a serial pattern here with Deshaun Watson. You don't have 22 and you're not finding them on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly what went on there. Um, I, I don't know that we all will or we all will for a little while, you know, until he gets cleared that he's he's able to play all 17 games for the Cleveland Browns. There's no suspensions until we start hearing that chatter. We don't know where that situation is. I haven't had you on since, uh, you know, your Cardinals there with Kyler Murray. Uh, is everything good with your your Cardinals here and his demands? I think everything will be good when he signs his next contract. But until that time, I mean, there's, you know, it, it's been a, a tumultuous offseason for the for the Cardinals and for Kyler, obviously, as, as this story's unfolded. But the chatter that's quieted down, I think, is a good sign. I, I think it means they're making some headway on a new contract or they've got some sort of agreement in place verbally when they will get to that contract discussion. So. The fact that it's been quiet, all, all quiet on that front, is probably a good thing for the Cards. I said at the time, and I firmly believe it, that the Chiefs got a, a deal, a bargain, with Patrick Mahomes' contract. Like once, <laughs> in, in three or four years, like what are quarterbacks going to be making? And Mahomes, that's going to be a bargain. Yeah, well, that, that's the problem. And that's why you've seen Aaron consistently sign shorter-term deals because he knows every three or four years – once that guaranteed money is paid out on that portion of the contract, that he's up for a new one. That's the problem with a guy like Mahomes. And, and like, to your point, the Chiefs did the right thing by giving him a longer-term deal, more duration, more years. If they would have given him a shorter deal, which he would have preferred and the Chiefs not preferred, he'd be up for renegotiation probably after this season. But the longer the deal you sign, that day you sign it, it looks really sexy and it looks really good. But when it's a seven <laughs> – eight, nine-year deal, once you get halfway through it, you're underpaid. 
Carson Wentz going to the Commanders? Um, have they found their quarterback? No, no. I think it's a you know it's a stopgap for them. Okay. They're still searching. I feel like you know you think back to those early days of RG three and then Kirk Cousins and then Kirk Cousins wasn't good enough for him, but they kept paying him with the you know they kept tagging him and tagging him, and then he was on to a new team and they got nothing for him. It just doesn't seem like they know what they're doing um, from from the quarterback position. I mean, it, it's been a constant search. Not that the search is easy, but again, you just saw the Indianapolis Colts go through it. I mean, that, and, and the Commanders are in the same situation. They've got a good offensive line. They've got a good defense. They've got some really nice pieces, and they're a quarterback away. But the the Colts just showed you what you shouldn't do is is take on a one year contract or a two year contract for a guy that you know, has not played well or played up to his potential in years. And I think we're going to see the same thing shake out in Washington that we saw shake out this past season in Indy. I got you two and a half years younger than Tom Brady. And here he is coming back, Carson. What was your reaction? I don't think you can be surprised with anything that happens with Brady. Um, You know, I I never really bought into the retirement thing because you didn't officially see him say it or, or really see any real response from him on it. Um, but he's, he's a modern marvel. I mean, the guy keeps doing it. I cannot imagine. I woke up this morning early before the show to get a workout in, and I cannot imagine waking up early and get my workout on and get getting prepared for next season at my age, let alone at 44. Yeah. If I gave you six months to get ready. To play, to play in one game or to play in 17 games? <laughs> How about one? I could get through the first half of one, <laughs> but once I got in the locker room and my body had a chance to cool down, and I had I sat down on you know in front of in front of my locker on the bench, I'd have a tough time getting back up to head out to the stadium for the third quarter. Uh, I know you do uh, some great things that uh, maybe people aren't aware of. You're involved in Camp Rainbow Gold. Uh, give you the opportunity to talk about how special that place is to you. Yeah, really excited to be the spokesperson for Camp Rainbow Gold. It's it's a camp in Idaho uh, where kids from all over the state with cancer can can trade in and get out of the hospital that they've been living in uh, and get out of those bright lights of a hospital and get outside and go to summer camp like a like a normal kid their age. Um, the camp is full of all people donating their time. The camp counselors, the doctors that come in to administer chemotherapy. Uh, to do checkups. So it's an amazing place in Fairfield, Idaho. Um, you can learn more about it on camprainbowgold.org. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a beautiful, special place where kids with cancer that haven't had their fair shake at life or their families, their siblings, their mom and dad um, that have been living in a hospital with them can get out and be a normal kid and go to summer camp. Uh, so it's a great organization. I'm really proud to be a part of it. Uh, and you can learn more again on camprainbowgold.org. Great to talk to you as always, Carson. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Carson Palmer, Heisman Trophy winner, former NFL quarterback. Get a couple more phone calls in here. Best and worst of the weekend. Bob in Florida. Hi, Bob. What's on your mind? Hey, Bob. Hello, Dan. Hi, Bob. Can you hear me, Dan? Yes, I got you, Bob. All right. Uh, I got, first of all, 5'8", 197. Okay. Best and two worse. Best is both Cyclone men and women are in the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. My two worse are I was in a survivor pool, and I switched my pick 
to Auburn Ooh. from Texas Tech because I didn't want to root against Notre Dame. So now I'm out. Ouch. Ouch. You're not supposed to root. Well, uh, it's a sentimental thing, son. Uh, my second worst is I had my bracket all filled out for your pool, but somehow it didn't get into the system. Hmm. All right. Well, sorry about that, Bob. I know who I blame. Fritzy. Why not me? Why do you, what do you have against Bob in Florida? I don't know. He rubs me the wrong <laughs> way a little bit. <laughs> Mike in California. Hi, Mike. What's on your mind? Oh, good morning, Dan. It's an honor to talk to you. Very long-time listener, first-time oh, caller. Great. Oh, great. My best of the weekend was your, was watching your interview with David Faraday. Oh, okay. I was I was surfing through Peacock Network, and I came across um, Season 4, Episode 14, with your interview with David, and it was uh, transcendental. That's all I can say. It mm. it was the two greatest interviewers of all time mm. just having a chat. Okay. And it gave me so much insight into you as a person. And I've always thought you were a pretty good guy, but now I think you're wonderful because of your, your commitment to family. Mm. You're, you're leaving the mothership uh, to be with your family was touching, I, I'll, have to, I'll have to say. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if my family feels the same way, but at the time, I thought they did. Like, are you just going to be here now at, yeah. every day? Like you, or... Are you going anywhere? No, no, no. I'm, I'm home. So you're, like, you're just going to be here yeah. then? Like, like are you going to like be downstairs? Like, where are you going to be? Oh, no, it's good. No, it's great. No, good. Good. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Just, you know, every day. Yeah, more. No, I'm sure they were like, oh, you're still here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dad, don't you have somewhere to be? Like, yeah. how was it? Like, when did you really get tired of being home all the time? <laughs> I don't know if I got tired. I just kind of looked around and nobody was at home. You know, they, my, my wife wanted me home, and then I got home, and, you know, everybody has schedules. They were all out of the house. So I was sitting there with Lou, the dog. And, you know, I Paulie would come over, and I'd be – Doing household chores. You'd be on the back porch sweeping, and you know, it was, you'd been sweeping for like 20 minutes. Yeah. There was nothing to sweep. I was like, I just <laughs> needed something to do. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, when they want you home and then you come home, but they got other things they're doing. Yeah, more. Like, do they want you home just for certain things? Like, oh, my baseball game is X, Y, and Z. No, it's can you take the kids? Oh, can you pick them up? Hey, while you're out, can you? So it was a lot of that. But it was really important. I, I don't want to diminish it. I, I have fun with it, but no, it was ex- extremely important at the time. Certainly given the ages of my daughters, they were you know, 9 through 13, and you know, got to be around. Because all of a sudden, boys start showing up, and then that's when I got I to gotta get the deeper voice there. And I say, yeah, uh, can I help you? Yes, uh, is uh, Grace home? Uh, yeah, who's asking? Uh Jimmy Lipper? All right. Hold on, Jimmy. Yes, Mark. I was going to say, like, do you have to be home? (laughs) Like, I don't have to be home for Lorenzo, do I? No. I mean, you should be around. You're around. I was, but I was doing second shift for 15 years. 
you know, I would go the entire week. I didn't even see my kids during school year because I'd get home at one in the morning and they would, you know, be in bed or they'd be out the door early in the morning, go to school by the time I woke up. Yeah, Paul. I remember when I first started working with you, you would be at a 1030 meeting a.m. At, at the mothership. We'd be there for our meeting with me, Fritz, you and the guys. Yeah. And then you'd go, you know, lunch, show one till four. You couldn't drive all the way back home, even though you had an 11 o'clock sports center. So you would eat, nap, hang out, write, prep, and you just come walking in, you know, down there. You'd be making phone calls, checking in with Fritzy and I, and because the schedule was so long. Yes, Todd. And then even after the three-hour show from one to four, a lot of times they pulled you to the studio sooner because you had to pre-tape interviews for Sports Center. So there was yeah. even that on top of it. Yeah, the the napping on a sleeping bag in my office that was about as low as you could probably go. Where you're like, man, do I live the life? I'm on TV. I'm sleeping in a sleeping bag in my office. I'm sure Bob Costas is doing this somewhere. 